We're going to open up to Acts chapter 5 at this time. A few weeks ago, we were in, on Pentecost Sunday, amen, celebrating the birth of the church, the power of the resurrection, amen. Today, we're going to go to the book of Acts again. We're going to go a few chapters beyond where we were. We were in Acts chapter 2. But now we're in Acts chapter 5 today, and we're going to start in verse 14. Bless the Lord. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 14. reads like this, amen, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, saying, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick, out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadows of Peter passing shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him which is, the seat, which is the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to them to have them brought, excuse me. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the high priest, the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would, would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when, he, excuse me, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. The man is Jesus. Verse 29. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, 
They were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, listen to this, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all, all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease, even though they were told not to do this anymore. But they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. The same Peter that pulled out that knife and cut an ear off was the same Peter that didn't mind getting roughed up for the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's, it's one thing if y'all are fighting about a cookie, but it's a whole nother thing. Hallelujah. If you're fighting about the glory and honor of God, you say, I don't mind suffering a little bit of shame. Praise God. As a matter of fact, with a little bruise, a little punch in the eye. They got up and they said, wow, to God be the glory. We're not suffering as evildoers. We're suffering for the glory and honor and praise of God. Hallelujah. And if they're willing to go through it, praise God, being a little tired, coming to the house is okay. Hallelujah. Because this is nothing in comparison. All I got to do is say, praise God. God, I thank you to get, that you gave me the strength and I could rejoice. Hallelujah. For going through a little something. Hallelujah, because he went through it first. Hallelujah, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Right now, they look at your message as poison. But soon they're going to recognize that your message is the antidote. Hallelujah. Woman of God told me those exact words this week. She said, right now they're treating the message like it's the poison. But when their eyes are open, they're going to realize that it's the antidote. They treated Joseph like he was poison when they threw him in a pit. But when they were hungry, they came to Joseph, knocking on his door. Now that he was in a whole different country and said, we're hungry. We need something. He was, hallelujah, the antidote. He carried in him the message of healing. He carried in him the blessing. There were those like the Apostle Paul, hallelujah, who 
went with a letter to Damascus, and he was ready to kill all the followers of Christ who were in that region. And he said, I'm here for this. And as he's on his way, hallelujah, you remember the story. The Lord gets his attention. He falls off of that horse, and he says, who are you, Lord? And all of a sudden, no longer does he look at Jesus as the poison, but he looks at Jesus as the antidote. Praise God. You have friends, you have families, you got people that you know. Somebody right now is looking at you like you're the poison because here you are. Why are you, why are you there? And even now, because people, people are still supposed to be so far apart, but you said, I'm going to come to the house. I just want to be in the house. Or you said, I'm going to get connected online because I need the antidote. And while they pass by you and they wonder, why are you still listening to that message? It's because you know that it's the antidote. Because it is the healing. Because it is, hallelujah, what you need. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 5 talks about the apostles as they obeyed the command of the Lord to fulfill the great commission. Your command is still to fulfill the great commission. The title of this message is, you have what they need. You have the answer. You have the antidote. You have what they need. You're carrying it in you. Hallelujah. You are, you are pregnant with something good. And you need to recognize, praise God, that I have something that is so excellent on the inside of me. Praise God. I don't need to walk around with shame because I actually have what they need. Praise God. People are impressed when they see a, a nice car on the road and they say, I need that. Ah, there's something ma more major. You see that mansion, praise God, and you say, wow, I need that. But there's something greater that you can't see that you actually need. Hallelujah. And isn't it beautiful that you and I, that we have that thing hidden in us. The Bible says it's like it's like a, a, a hidden treasures and earthen vessels. It's, it's something on the inside and you got it. You got it. You got it. Tell your neighbor, I got it. You got what they need. Peter and the apostles famous words in verse 29 were that they ought to obey God rather than men. Hallelujah. And today is the same thing. You got to obey God rather than man. Hallelujah. Man will tell you one thing, but are you going to obey man before you obey God? You know, there is a, I, I get it. I get it. The apostles, Paul speaks in the book of Romans about governing authorities, those who are over us. Praise God. As long as they're in line with the word, then you can follow. Praise God. But the minute they go off course, hold up. I'm going to bring it back to the word of God. What does God have to say about it? As they said, we got to obey God first. Amid the miracles, signs, and wonders, there was a persecution found in this chapter. Gamaliel, amen, a doctor of the law, meaning he was very studious. He was a, he was a spokesperson, amen, in the Sanhedrin. He knew what he was talking about based on the various experiences. As you continue on through life, there are certain experiences. History doesn't always repeat itself, but it does rhyme. But it does rhyme. There are some things that you have experienced in the past that are preparing you for what is coming in the future. Not that you will be able to line it up exactly the same, but you, based on that experience, now you've got a greater level of wisdom. 
And so even Gamaliel, not serving Christ, he had a certain level of wisdom. God could use some people who aren't in the church. Amen. You got to adjust that thinking as well. But, but, but he spoke wisdom to the Sanhedrin, to these elders of Israel, these religious elders who were the persecutors, advising that they were potentially fighting against God. If they're fighting him, they're going to lose. <laughs> if they're fighting God, they're going to lose. That's why I, I love God. He's so profound because he says everything that's hidden is going to come to the, to the light. It, it, it is bound to. It is a law of nature created by the creator. Hallelujah. He's going to provoke that thing to bubble up to the surface. Whatever it is, if I am living the life, you're going to see the proof based on the future of my life. If I ain't really living it and I'm just telling y'all to do what I'm not doing, you're going to see it. Hallelujah. And you know what? Because what? God provokes it to come to the surface. That's why repentance is so good. He said, come now, because if you don't come now, I'm going to expose you. Oh, y'all don't like that. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord. God, I want you to deal with me and expose it to me first because I don't need the I don't need to suffer the embarrassment. Right. Hallelujah. So God, check me now. Right. Amen. If a thing is God's will, it's a hard thing to contend with. If God's will is for something to happen in your life, people could come and backbite and destroy you and say this and say that all they want. But if God is doing something in your life, they can't stop it. <laughs> they can't. Come on. You need to give God a round of applause for that. Some years ago, I, I said, oh, Lord, how are we going to keep this train moving? How are we going to keep it going in here? And he said, back up, get out of the way, because it's not your will. It's not what you can perform. Sometimes you got to get out of the way and say, God, have your way. And he will. And he will indeed. If a thing is God's will, it's a hard thing to contend with. Gamaliel was telling the people, he said, don't, don't try and just punch these guys and kick them and think that you're going to overcome them. When God opens a door, man cannot shut it. When God shuts a door, man cannot open it. We're reminded of that according to the book of Revelations, chapter 3, verse 7 to 8, when, he's, when uh, uh, the Lord is speaking to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And he says these things in, in verse 7. And to the angel of the church, Reuben, if you put that up, Mijo. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts. He who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. He knows them. He knows them. He knows our public life. He knows our private life. He says, I know it. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. He, he sees, you know, for as much as we talk about the negative things that some folks do in private, there are some great things that people do in private. Nobody sees anything that they do and they are diligent in the Lord. Hallelujah. I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength. You've kept my word and you have not denied my name. Amen. At the time when the book of Acts was written, 
The church was primitive. The church was in its infancy. The church was just born. Amen? And even though New Hope Assembly of God has longevity, even though this church has been established for many years in this community, today she is indeed youthful. She's indeed youthful in the Lord. Hallelujah. Quit telling people I'm old. You ain't old. There's, there's no old in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Praise God. The closer you get to glory, the more beautiful you get. Hallelujah. Now, y'all, y'all ain't clap like you believe that. The, listen, every day I wake up, man, oh, I'm looking a little bit better because I'm looking more and more like Abba. Hallelujah. Praise God. I ain't got to fake the funk. There's something good on the inside of me. Hallelujah. And to God be the glory because these treasures are starting to come out as I'm looking more and more. I used to see through a glass darkly, but I see him more and more every day that I wake up. This gospel doesn't get old. So why are you acting like you old? You ain't old. Keep it moving. Hello. Hallelujah. You are youthful in the Lord. The more you fall in love with him, the younger you get. The more you say yes to him, the younger you get. Hallelujah. You think things are based on these things starting to show a little bit. Oh, no, there's something beautiful. Hallelujah. That is starting to shine brighter and brighter. That last battle you overcame, that last trial you overcame, hallelujah, that for you, it was a stumbling block. But God used it for a stepping stone to be able to show that you are an overcomer. Hallelujah. Don't fall asleep on God. Hallelujah. You're too young. We're growing. We're learning. Hallelujah. Oh, I've been serving God for 50 years. I've been serving God for 150 years. Keep it going. This is like one day in the Lord. Hallelujah. No, you ain't tired. Hallelujah. You know what? I saw I saw this movie one time. Let me get into this. I, you know, I don't know about you, but I love boxing. I'll be honest with you. Yes, that's right, Miss Alfonso. So there was a scene in the movie there was a ring, obviously, they were in the ring, and, and, and there was a brother in the corner for his brother who was fighting. And as he was fighting, he got to a point in that fight where he had to say, the, the, the coach, the one who was the brother, he had to remove the bench out of the ring. He said, I'm not going to put the bench in the ring. Because if I put the bench in the ring, your legs are going to give out. You're at the point of such exhaustion. That if you sit down, you're ready to quit. You're ready to give up. So I need you, instead of sitting down, I'm going to get in the ring with you. Because you got a big brother, a coach who loves you and who wants to see you win this fight. So he says, you're not allowed to sit on that bench. you got to get that bench out of here. And I'm going to get in that ring with you. And I'm going to start coaching you. We're going to look a little bit silly. We're going to look like, you know, why are we doing this? Because this is not part of the formalities of what a boxing match is. But I'm going to get in there with you. And I'm going to start jumping. And I'm going to start circulating the blood, hallelujah, in my body. And I want you to imitate me. And God is saying to the church, to the body of Christ, hallelujah, this isn't a time to say, oh, my legs are out. I'm done. I'm exhausted. No, you are in the middle of this fight. And you got to start, hallelujah, making the blood circulate. One more time. Hallelujah. 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 It's time to fight. And you're going to win this fight. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. 
We are growing. We're learning about the diverse characteristics and the nature of our God. Hallelujah. And we appreciate the beauty of what being a child of God means. Then, that is that when we are, excuse me, that is that when we are converted and follow the will of the Father, he begins to work in our favor. Amen. As long as we are gathering with him. We shared this a little bit on Wednesday. Jesus talked to us about gathering, amen, with him. Gathering and scattering. As long as we are gathering with him, he is gathering with us. If we are scattering, you imagine, just like we shared, amen, a couple of nights ago, imagine you're raking your yard, getting all those leaves up and gathering, and you just have one party who begins to say, ah, I'm going to let these leaves go all over the place. Nobody likes for anyone to work against them. You're supposed to be on my team. I'm supposed to be on your team. Why are we going in different directions? There should be no reason for that. We should all be gathering together. But if we're scattering when he is gathering, then we are working contrary to his purpose. If 60% of us are gathering and 40% of us are scattering, then why are we doing this? Eventually we will fail. Eventually, there will be, hallelujah, uh, uh, there will be no motive to continue. But if, we, but if he is gathering and 100% of us are gathering, hallelujah, then, 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 then we are all excelling in the master. So when, when we are with him, we are faced with doors that no man can shut. They cannot shut it because God himself opened it. The only reason that he opened that door to you is because he concluded that he could trust you. If he could trust you, hallelujah, with what's behind that door, then you will excel. You will succeed. Nothing holds you back because he said, I've got something for you and this is yours. If you are a man or woman after God's own heart, then your priorities are no longer yours. Your priorities are his. Whatever he says, that's my priority. And his priority is that men and women come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Amen. Your priority is to identify to the world that the antidote lives in you. And while they treat it like poison, don't worry, later on they're going to come to you saying, I need prayer. I need, I, need you, I need you to come, hallelujah, to my house. I need, you to, I, I need some encouragement. And all of that encouragement, they're going to say, you know what? I am so thankful to God, hallelujah, that in this world where they, they say there are so many answers to problems, that there really is a solution. Hallelujah. That saving knowledge does not get stuck. It, it's the, 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 the fact that you are pregnant with the answer, it should not get stuck on the inside of you. Hallelujah, it has to come forth. It has to come forth. It is shared, and that is the message that doesn't leave people conformed to the way they've always been, but it literally transforms them. It has transformation power. In Acts chapter 5, which we just read, Peter and the apostles, the Bible says that they were put in prison for proclaiming the gospel. Later it says that they were released by an angel. They went to the temple and proclaimed the good news. And when standing before their persecutors, because the persecutors came, they didn't want them talking about this message anymore. They told them, we must obey God rather than men. They were plotted against in verse 33 as to how to kill them. And this wise man, Gamaliel, he 
foiled their, the plan to kill them. And he asked questions. He said, he said, consider Theodos. Consider Theodos who claimed to be somebody. I remember seeing a billboard off of Arlington Expressway years ago of a man named John of God. Don't know if y'all remember that name, but John of God was from Brazil. Everybody went to see him, even Oprah. And John of God claimed to be somebody. And John of God was nobody because he was claiming this and claiming that. And there are many people who do such a thing like this guy does. And, and, and obviously he was operating in witchcraft. It had nothing to do with God. It had nothing to do with Jesus. And this man who was there doing his thing, he's, he's, he's presenting himself a certain way to all these people, gathers a great following. Next thing you know, all those people who drank the Kool-Aid, they were scattered. Y'all know that other Jim Jones claimed to be somebody. And afterwards, it was unfortunate because people were so vested. They had a vested interest in feeling like this guy was really leading them on. You got to be real careful in leadership. Because leadership can become manipulative. It can become dangerous. And if we're not sticking close with that unadulterated message, with the true message of the gospel, Letting people know, accept it as it is, or don't accept it. You remember when Jesus said, you got to drink my blood and eat my flesh? Did he gain followers that day, or did he lose followers? He lost them. Hallelujah. But he only had the ones who the Father gave him. One of the things that we spoke about yesterday was the topic of frustrations when we had a, had a leadership meeting here during the day. And, 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 and it's so funny to me because it is so easy in ministry for pastors or laymen or other people in certain roles to get frustrated because they don't see the, the, the results that they want. But the results don't belong to us. The results belong to God. If the results belong to God, then we are content to say, Lord, I'm here to serve you. This is your baby. Praise God, because he's the one who put that seed, hallelujah, of grace, of wisdom, of love on the inside of you to give it to the people. Some of the people come because they want the word. Some of the people come because they want pizza. Some of the people come. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Some of the people come because they want the word and pizza. <laughs> Praise God. Some of the people come because they hear noise and they just want to see what's going on. But it's ultimately all about doing what he's told you to do. And as long as you do what he's told you to do, then you are good. Not because of your own goodness, but because he's good. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. But there are those who do claim to be something like theaters. And, all, and, and the Bible said that, that there, there were 400 who were following him. But his movement failed. He said, consider Judas of Galilee, who had a big following also, and his movement failed. If you do anything thinking this is going to this is going to work because I'm basing it on on me gleaning the people by their emotions. Oh, that's a dangerous place. Hallelujah. Can't be led by emotions. We got to be led by commitment, commitment unto him. Amen. Gamaliel said, leave these men alone. Hallelujah. Leave them alone because if they are doing it on their own, it's going to fail. If you know, you, anybody ever see anybody fail because they were doing it by themselves? They were doing it their way? 
Amen. That's good, sis. Praise God. If we've ever done it our way, it's failed. But if we did it because he said to do it, he won't let it fail. He won't let it fail. It's going to give forth good, hallelujah, a good, uh, a good fruit. Amen. New Hope Assembly, if you are trying to open the door on your own, what you are doing is going to fail. But if you are going through the door that God Almighty opened for you, then the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. This goes for our personal life. This goes for our family life. This goes for your business life. This goes for your church life. When he opens the door, nobody can shut it. Hallelujah, nobody can. This teacher said, if God is up to something, then you better not fight against it. But if people just do what they want to do without the Lord, don't even get close to that thing. Just back up. Just stand back and watch. Just get yourself a glass of water and say, well, they're going to keep on doing it their way. Just stand back. Stand back because it's going to fall. But whatever pertains to the Lord, he's going to take care of it. You know why? Because it represents him. And God is not going to allow himself to be embarrassed. Did you get that? Hallelujah. He's not going to allow himself to be embarrassed because those who are obeying him, you bear his name. And you bear his reputation. And his reputation he will not allow to be buried under the ground. Hallelujah. The children of Israel, when they walked through that promise, uh, towards that promised land and they began to walk in obedience, the Bible tells us that though, uh, the, the, the nations around them feared. Hallelujah. And that should be the reaction of the world. They should, they should fear. They should revere God because those who are really walking in the spirit, hallelujah, are walking in such a way that it's got the Lord's attention and it's like people can see there's a cloud by day over you and there's fire by night, hallelujah, wherever you go, he goes and wherever, where, and, and the same vice versa because he's committed to you and you're committed to him, amen? The persecutors, the religious authority, wanted to stop the spreading of the gospel because they felt like it was poison to the society. All over again in this generation, there are a lot of people who are treating the gospel like poison. Why? Because the gospel is the true essence that challenges the cultural norms. Hallelujah. I said it on, on this past Wednesday. It, it seemed like a little oxymoron. A, little, a few people looked at me like, why is he doing that? Why? Why, why would he be talking like that? But I was talking about these bridges around Jacksonville that are lit up in diverse colors. And I began to say, well, thanks be to God that somebody's getting exposed to the promise. And the, you know what those colors represent to me? They represent mercy. They represent mercy. There's a lot of people who don't know that. Can you believe that? There's a lot of people who don't know what those colors represent. Isn't it amazing, the the counterfeit going on in our society, so much so that people think, well, this is the only thing that, this is what man has said this represents. But what does God say? God says, I destroyed everything before. 
with water. That beautiful promise is lit up in the sky every time it rains. Some, we've seen it on a Wednesday night where there was a double rainbow one time over the sky as, we, as the rain stopped and we came to the house. And it was just like, Lord, your mercy is new every morning. Hallelujah. We got such a beautiful responsibility to carry that light on the inside of us and say, yes, Whosoever, he's loved with the whosoever. For God sent his only begotten son that the whosoever. And so he cares for every group, every people. And he says, I've got a call today, hallelujah, for the nations of the world to understand that this message is the antidote. Hallelujah. The gospel calls us to repent. The gospel says that the believer also. I'm going to say something controversial. You ready? The gospel says that the believer can judge. Ooh. And you thinking about that statement that that rapper said back in the 90s, only God can judge me. No, I ain't talking about Tupac. <laughs> the gospel says that the believer can judge. Let me explain myself. We have the authority to judge what is going on in the world and with regards to human behavior. What we do not have the authority to do is to condemn. We don't have the authority to condemn. Only God has that level of authority. But now the body of Christ can make a judgment call differentiating between good and evil. If we could not judge between what is right and wrong, then why should we preach Jesus? Because the world doesn't need Jesus. If you're not allowed to be able to make a judgment call concerning what is good and what is evil. Why preach Jesus if no one needs a change of heart? But we do need a change of heart. We got to have the heart of stone taken out. And we got to have a new heart of flesh. Hallelujah. The heart of stone, whoo, it's a tough thing to break. It's a real tough thing to break. Anybody remember their rebellious days? I remember my heart, my heart was stony. There was a stone heart. But he had to take out of us the heart of stone and give us a new heart of flesh. The flesh at the presence of a scalpel blade will bleed. It will be cut. I'm convinced that something is happening in our world that is provoking people to see how desperately they need the Savior. Something is happening right now Hallelujah. Things are coming and bubbling up to the surface in such a way that people are starting to open their eyes and say, this is crazy. Anybody wake up over the last two years talking about this is crazy. It is crazy. But in Christ, there's a sound mind. I love it because I could it feels like we're almost walking through some kind of spiritual war zone. But he's got us. At peace. Hallelujah. We haven't lost anything. We've only gained. We've only prospered. Hallelujah. We've continued to say, I'm an overcomer. I'm, 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 I'm conquering something. Every day, I'm convinced. The gospel that has been treated like poison is the antidote of God's mercy. 
for a world that is still looking for the solution. You've got something so great in you. And God says, it's not a time to shut your mouth. Hallelujah. It's not a time to just retreat. It's a time to be confident of what God has put on the inside of you. Hallelujah. It is the solution to the sickness of the world. And you, the church, like Peter and the apostles in chapter 5 of Acts, have what the world needs. You really do. I'm coming close to where I want to be here as we get ready to conclude. There is a saying out in the world of heavy thinkers. There's a saying out there in the world that before certain sicknesses, before certain diseases, before certain plagues are widespread, that there is already a remedy for that sickness, disease, or illness. Okay? If this upsets you, I still love you, and you, I, I pray you love me. But I'm going to just say what needs to be said. Okay? I'm not going to voice. Okay. The, this kind of thinking, this, this kind of thinking is called problem, reaction, solution. Say that one more time, okay? Because I'm not going to shout real, a whole lot with this. Problem, reaction, solution. This happens all the time, okay? It's, it happens all the time. It's been happening since the very beginning. The problem is that there is a plague that has affected many people. The reaction is that everyone has panicked and is begging for a fix to the situation. The solution is that some savior is needed to redeem the people from the plague that has overtaken society. Say it one more time. Okay, this is just a little teaching segment here. Problem, reaction, solution. Problem is that there is a plague that has overtaken people. The reaction is that everybody has panicked and is begging for a fix to the situation. And the solution is that some savior is needed because everybody wants a savior. Everybody wants a savior, even if they don't say it. They still want a savior. You know, I could be out in the club, I could be smoking, I could be drinking, I could be acting wild, but I'm crying out for a savior. The part of problem, reaction, solution that none of us like to think. You ready? The part that none of us like to think is, was the solution created for the problem? Or was the problem created for the solution? I'll say it one more time. Okay. Was the solution created for the problem or was the problem created for the solution? Answer. Here's your answer. Because this thing transcends modernity, what we are living in modern times. It goes beyond, hallelujah, just anything you've ever experienced. And it goes to the point of eternity as well. The answer to the question. I'll ask the question one more time. Was the solution created for the problem? Or was the problem created for the solution? The answer, that all depends on whether the problem solver is benevolent. Meaning, is the problem solver good and caring? Or if he has ulterior motives? I don't know if I just provoked something in you. But in heaven... There is a God that is benevolent because we're at a place where people don't know who to trust. I'm going to say it. 
We're at a place where people don't know who to trust. This is why they are crying out for a savior, not lowercase s, savior. They're crying out for a capital S savior because they're sick and tired of being propagandized and lied to. They've been lied to all their life. They want somebody to tell them the truth. And thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Who does tell us the truth. Not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Because, hallelujah, he's got a message saying, repent. This world is in darkness and there is only one way. There's only one truth and there's only one life. Hallelujah. I'm about to conclude. In heaven, there is a God who is benevolent and he's caring. He is so caring for each and every one of us. He genuinely cares for every single soul. That's why we can't go cutting people off. Hallelujah. I stood here in worship considering the reconciliation that the Lord did in my family's life, even on yesterday. It was such a great joy for me to see this young, beautiful lady known as my sister, which I've testified to you all about. Oh, the rift, the, the, the separation, the wedge, it was so sad. But by the grace of God, God performed the ministry of reconciliation, even in this servant's family. And I wish we had a little pic, but my wife said now after it was all said and done and we had this beautiful experience because this is what the ministry of reconciliation is all about. There were two willing hearts that were willing to say, you know what, whatever, that's, whatever happened, that's water under the bridge. Whatever, whatever grudge there was, it ain't there. We're getting, I'll use it in this context, but we're getting too old. You know, life is moving along and ain't nobody got time for. So the young lady comes to my side where at the behest of my wife, the photographer, and she says, now y'all two get together because we're going to take a picture. So we get together and I put my hand over her and I lean in. And you know, there was a little ounce, you ready? I'm, 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 the Bible says confess your sins one to another. There was a little ounce of the P word, pride. And I said, I rebuked that in my mind, in Jesus' name. And I, I leaned in and I kissed her on her temple. And that did so much for me. When, listen, we don't know if we ever get another moment. The Bible says, redeem the time, for the days are evil. The days are evil, and we all need a Savior. And today there is a Savior who can redeem us and redeem our relationships and restore them. If there's any grudge in your heart to anyone, it's time to say, that's it. It's time not to just text, because texting is easy, because I can't hear your feelings. I want to hear your voice. And the Lord is a restorer, hallelujah. The Bible says he's a restorer of streets to dwell in. He's the repairer of the breach, and he says that we're to imitate our Father, and we can, hallelujah, be reconciled with one another. 
Hallelujah. Because in this world, there's a lot of problem, reaction, solution. But there's a benevolent father who said, you know, you know I, I, I already know all things. And even in his benevolence, in his goodness, in his kindness towards us, he said he saw what Adam and Eve were going to do. He saw it in advance, but he didn't want to make them robots. So he said, I need to give them the opportunity to make a decision for themselves. And you, me, all of us, every day, we got a decision to make for ourselves. And as we choose those, and, and, and I'll choose our path and, and what direction we're going, if God opens the door, will we walk through it? Or if God shuts it, will we get the message? Will we respond accordingly? Adam and Eve did not. They violated the rule. They went through a door that wasn't theirs to go through. And when they did, God in his mercy, seeing them covering themselves up with fig leaves, said, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to fix it all by yourself. And today we are still trying to fix it all by ourselves, but it is not working. But in his goodness, what does he do? The Bible says that he, hallelujah, he lays, he, he, he slaughters a creature because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And he covers their shame. He covers their nakedness. And he said, this one's temporary, but later I'm going to bring forth, praise God, an everlasting healer and an everlasting restorer. And that is Jesus, the savior, the antidote. He's not the problem. He is the solution. Hallelujah. He really is. He, God Almighty genuinely cares for our soul. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God, they are irrevocable. They are without repentance. God, hallelujah, is not one who gives it to you and then he takes it away. Hallelujah. He gives it to you saying, I love you. I care for you. I need you to embrace this gift and know, hallelujah, that my calling on your life is real. The gift of salvation, or excuse me, the gift is salvation. And no one can stop the benevolent king from providing his best solution to the biggest problem in all of human history. Sin. You've got the solution. It's living in you. And when we repent and we look to him who is the source of our strength, we then become carriers of this hidden treasure of this good news that the world needs, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. There was a physician who was asked a question concerning a baby. If the baby that is in the womb persists in the womb way beyond term, the, the, the suffering or the risk is that both mother and baby can perish. That means that you've got to give birth to that which is on the inside of you. It can't stay stuck on the inside. Too many people have died with the gift and have never released it. You've got the solution. You've got the antidote. You are pregnant with the answer. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, the blessing of the king lives in me. Hallelujah. Now, you got to say that with conviction. Say, the blessing of the king lives in me. Hallelujah. Tell them again, the antidote lives in me. Hallelujah. And, that, and, and this is the thing that I say to the body, and I ask you to stand at your feet, please. 
concerning what God is doing, concerning where you are, concerning where we are as the body of Christ, not just in New Hope Assembly, but the body of Christ globally, the body of Christ all over the world. If it is of God, then run with it. What God is telling you to do, do it with all your might. Don't do it halfway. Do it with your whole heart. Hallelujah. Because you know what? It's going to heal many wounded souls. It's going to restore many people. And God, praise God, don't expect him to do it the way he did it 10 years ago. Don't expect him to do it the way he did it 20 years ago. He said, behold, I do a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing in your life. Hallelujah. This thing is not dependent upon your emotions, upon your feelings, upon, oh, well, let's see what happens. Oh, no, none of that. Hallelujah. He says, I'm going to do it because of, the, uh, of my very namesake, which lives in you. You bear his name. You bear his reputation. You bear his character. You're a child of God. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands all over this house. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father God, because the body of Christ has what the world needs. What people are crying out for, what our, our families, our relatives, you are a restore. You are, Father God, the one who reconciles us and causes, Father God, the breach to be repaired. Father, the things that are lacking, you, Father God, fill the gap. You fill the void. And for that, we are so grateful. Thank you for your character. Thank you for your spirit which lives in us. Today in this house, there is an antidote for the one who doesn't know Christ. And I pray for those who are called by your name, Lord, all over this house, that they would recognize how precious they are, how important they are to the work of the kingdom. Thank you for those who are here present and those who are on live stream, those who come before my family to this house and those who come after and who have joined along and believe in what you are doing. Father, there's some things that the enemy meant for evil. But you, God, you turned it around for good. The enemy wanted to destroy. But you, Father God, restored. You restored. You healed. You poured out your healing salve all over the womb. Father God, I pray today for the open doors that are before your children, that we would see those open doors, that you would reveal it, that you would open our eyes, and that we would walk through it. Because God, if you open the door, no one can shut it. We're not here with our own agenda. We're not here to gather a bunch of followers so we can promote some false doctrine. We're here to preach the gospel. We're here to teach the gospel. We're here to make disciples of all nations. We're here because you're here. As long as you are pleased, then we can smile. If you don't like it, God, let us shun it. That we would remind ourselves also of, of Job. That we would fear God and shun evil.
that we will live up to the standards that you have set for us, that we would obey God before we obey man. We're here to follow you. We're here to honor you. We're here to love on you. We're here to love each other. Any grudge, any bitterness, any unforgiveness, Lord, search us and know us right now. Take out of us anything not like you. Hallelujah. I pray right now for my brother or my sister who has been overwhelmed by life, who has been disquieted, who has been provoked by constant anxieties and cares of life. God, quiet them right now. Quiet their soul. Hallelujah. I hear that word right now. Maybe your mind has been running. Maybe you were here for half the message in your mind, but the other half, hallelujah, was caught up in things that are, are, are maybe responsibilities. Maybe you caught a segment of this message, but you just need to, hallelujah, let your spirit man just be quieted by the love of God. These altars are open for you. We want to pray with you. We want to believe God with you. If any other portion of this message has spoken to your life and you just need that encouragement, hallelujah, in like manner, these altars are open. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. We glorify you for what you've done, for what you're doing. There's a door, there's a door, that's right. There's a door that's open. Walk through it, child of God. There's a door of healing, walk through it. There's a door of restoration, walk through it. There's a door of peace, walk through it. Hallelujah, that door right now, hallelujah, is open wide. The enemy cannot shut it. The devil can't shut it. Your neighbor can't shut it. That door belongs to God. And he said, because I could trust you, you can walk through it. Hallelujah. If you're ready to leave some doors that were behind you, shut, locked up, and the keys thrown away, this is your day as well. Because the Bible says, forgetting those things that are behind me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Today is that day of victory. Today is that day where you can raise that hallelujah. Today is that day, hallelujah, where you can adore God and magnify him and say, God, whatever's behind me, it is behind me. What is in front of me is the door that you have opened. Hallelujah. Thank you for the gift that you've placed in me, the gift that I am pregnant with, to bless the world with. 